what a great thing to be a part of a, a church that loves each other and that loves to talk to each other and, um, you know, it's not a habit, it's not something we do out of ritual, but it's something that we purposely plan to stop in our service and connect with each other because we want to be a community more than just a crowd. And I pray that in our time together this morning that God's already been speaking to you. And then I uh, would like to pray that just right now, right where you're at, that God would soften our hearts to hear what he wants to say today in spite of the speaker, in spite of the whatever, but that God gets to each and every one of us the thing that we need to hear. Isn't that what you want? Like, you could be in your bed, you could be sitting by the fire, snuggling up in a thing, but you come to hear what God wants to say today. So Jesus, would you speak to us? Would you open our ears to hear what it is you want to say? Would you let our hearts be soft and ready for you to plant that seed into it, that we would hear what you want to say to us and be ready to do, God? Thank you for your loving kindness that never gives up on us. Thank you that you encourage us and that you are the lifter of our heads. That in spite of all the things going on around us, you never give up on us. And I pray that today we would hear what you're wanting to say and we'd put it into action. Amen. Morning, everybody. My name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads, and it's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. Uh, I'm very excited to continue in our series, Salt and Light, Left and Right. I'm, I'm sure it rhymes on purpose. Um, we live in the middle of what people would say is a culture war. Culture war is defined as a cultural conflict between social groups and their struggle for dominance of their values, beliefs, and practices. Can I tell you that's not new? In every age, like I've got history teachers in here who can back me up. There's always been a, he's like, what? There's, there's always been a desire to take my beliefs and my values and impose them upon some other group, right? That's, that's never changed. We're in a fight for our faith, for our future, and our families. But the war we may be waging might actually be focused on the wrong things. Imagine if in good old World War II, when uh, Germany was fighting the world, imagine when they bombed London. And as an ally, we stood up and said, you know what? We're not taking it anymore. Let's go. So we got all our tanks, we got all our bombs, and we destroyed Brazil. See, in the culture war we're fighting, so often we're striking back at the wrong targets. We think maybe our battle is against Democrats or Republicans or liberals or conservatives. But Jesus might say this. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
but it's against the rulers and the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In our series, we've been talking about salt and light, and regardless of whether we lean left or right, God has placed a gift inside of us to be a representative of him. So no matter where we go, we impact those around us. But we get to choose what that impact is. Because you have the capacity to impact those around you for good and for not so good. In Matthew it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, I think he's just trying to see how many times he can get salt into this. How can it be made salty again? See? Um, You're no longer good for anything except to be trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. The light of the world. Have you ever had too much salt on something? Maybe you... uh, you were doing a recipe and you accidentally got salt instead of sugar and you're like, hmm, yummy. <laughs> Ate it all. Bake it again. I remember I made banana bread one time, got this recipe online. And at the end I was like, this is the worst. And I forgot to like scroll down and read the comments until afterwards. I was like, who would put, and it's like, This is the worst banana bread recipe ever. Do not make this. And I was like, I should have read that before. (laughs) Salt generally makes things so much better. We don't even understand. Like, you have a steak without salt, and then you have a steak with salt on it. You just, all the flavors you start to get at a much deeper level. It accentuates those things around it. But when it's used out of proportion or too forcefully, it can be repulsive our word of the day. It's not really the word of the day. (laughs) So turn to your neighbors and make the face of your reaction to being too much salt on your food. Ready? Give them the face. (laughs) Or maybe you've been in a place where it was nice and dark, like the lights weren't on and you were like totally feeling it. Maybe it was like 6.30. And you're like, this is great. And then there's a certain time where it comes and somebody's like, whoosh. And they turn on the lights and it's like killing you with brightness. Maybe this happened like when your parents were trying to wake you up for school, like every day this week. Or you remember those moments and you're like, it hurts so bad. Or somebody's like got the flashlight and they just keep aiming for your eyes. And you're like, why aren't you trying to kill me with your light? Turn to your neighbor, make the face when there's too much light. (laughs) Knocked you down, Judah, huh? So the question is, is it possible if we misuse our salt, if we misuse our light as followers of Christ, that we could actually end up turning people away from Christ? This is why people talk about Christians and go, oh, they're hypocrites. Because sometimes our salt or our light is being misused. Today, I'd love for God to speak to us about how we're using the things that he's given us. And if we choose our attitude and what we choose to put on each and every morning, watch how it will change how it ends up turning out. How we carry ourselves, the choice we make about each and every day impacts other people. 
because we are a force. The salt and light that is within you will impact those around you, whether you want it to or not. And so since it will, now you have a choice. What will your impact be? It all starts with what you choose to put on each morning. You have a choice on how you want to impact your world each and every day. Maybe you put on a nice shirt and tie because your purpose for the day is like a a job interview. Maybe a nice dress and and a hairstyle means your purpose. Maybe, Maybe you have a date. Maybe sweats and a soft tea means I'm giving up. No, maybe it means I'm working from home. Or maybe it means... You're like, maybe it just means it's Tuesday. Like, <laughs> How many parents lay out their clothes for their kids for the next day? They're like, this is what you're wearing because I care about you. Like, How many of you husbands today are wearing what your wife's laid out for you today? What we choose to put on each morning says a lot about our day, not specifically about our clothing, but about the attitude and heart at which we go about our day. Our choice on how we choose to dress is often connected to our mission. We may dress to impress, but the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they're meant to attract people, not to themselves, but to Jesus, to the mission of Jesus. In Colossians 3.12, it's our verse of the day. You may have got this when you came in today. This is because I want you to take it home, think about it, put it in a place where you remember it and see it because this is what we're gonna talk about today. Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves you. You must, very. you don't see it all the time where it goes, you have to do this. He says, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We bolded today, you need to clothe yourself. You need to choose to put on. We're gonna focus on humility. Because if you can put on humility, the rest become easier. Because the opposite of humility is pride. It fights against all the desires that align with what Jesus' mission is. Sometimes our salt and light are like the person who puts on too much cologne. Not that any of you here have done that or perfume. But sometimes too much or too little. Too little, not enough deodorant. It can be repelling. I remember uh, this day in seventh grade where I realized I needed deodorant. Did any of you had one of those moments? Yeah. I think I realized because everybody around me realized. It was like the uh, sweat factories just turned on for that day. They're like, well, today's the day. And it was just like nothing I could do. It was just raining. And I was just like, and I was like, why does it smell? It never smelled before. But today it smelled. It was a sad day. And of course it started in humanities class where you're like learning about stuff. And you're like, ugh. And every class you go, it's like, it follows me. And you're like, I know, I smelled that last time. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> Can I tell you, every day since that day, I've chosen to put on deodorant. One, because I don't want to repeat that day, but because I want what follows me to be different than that. I didn't like that experience. 
People around me didn't like it either. But I choose each morning, like without fail, I choose what to put on. Because putting on too much, like if you've ever had a junior high son who's found the deodorant bottle or the, uh, the, uh, the cologne, the Axe spray, where it's like, oh, it's body spray. You don't have to spray your whole body, dude. He's like, hold on. It's not like sunscreen. You don't have to miss a spot. You don't have to get every single, like, it's meant to just be like, or maybe at your house you do this, like. I was like, why are you spraying the room? Spray yourself. Whatever. But what you choose to put on can make the whole difference in your whole day. And not just your day, but the day of those around you. When we don't put on humility, we put off others. If you don't choose to put on humility, you will be putting other people off. You'll be walking around like the kid who does not know they need deodorant, and it just smells. And as a follower of Christ, we can't afford to be putting off people because we are called to reach them. We are called to a ministry that Jesus' ministry. Jesus wasn't walking around every day and just like pushing away and offending people. They were coming to him because he was attracting Because he had a message of hope and of life. And it didn't matter if you were poor or if you were rich. He had love for you. But do I? Do we? Is our ministry, is our mission focused on just the specific few? Just on those who believe like I believe? Imagine if Jesus just carved out all the people who didn't believe just like he believed. He'd be talking to himself. He came to change hearts and change minds, but on specific things, the things that were eternal. We have to look at the issues in our own lives before trying to fix everybody else. We talked about our eyes the first week of this series. We need to choose to care more about people and listen, talk about our ears, than we do about being heard or changing their minds. We have to care more about showing love and being light than we do about being right. We talked about being the hands and the feet of Jesus last week. In Micah 6, verse 8, it says, And what does the Lord require of you? What is Jesus asking you to do? To act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I'm going to get back to this in a little bit. What does it look like to walk humbly with God? Walk humbly with God. The opposite of putting on humility is putting on pride. You know what? Pride is there. You don't have to put it on. It's like those bad smells. They will come if you let them go. You have to put on the stuff that keeps it down, keeps it away. Prideful people, they are always right. I know I am. They don't seem to need help. They have a solution to fix your life and fix your world if everybody would just listen to them because they know what's best. I had a moment two weeks ago right after church. I had a friend who was reviewing my message, helping me, and then like, share a time where maybe instead of putting on humility, pride, and I was like, oh, it was so fast. Like, here's a list. I try to do better, but it's a process, right? I'm working on it. After church, 
mean, bathed in humility. Five minutes later, like, where do you want to go for lunch? So my wife and I were like, let's go to Riverdale. And because I'd come early, I had my car, she had hers. So I was like, okay, we'll meet there. So she's like, hey, the 89 is just packed. It's crazy packed. I'm going to just go north. I'm going to go north. I'm going to go cut all that out. I'll get on Adams and we'll just meet you in Riverdale. Sound good? Sounds good. Sounds good. I think she meant meant like you're following me, right? Sounds good to me. Says that sounds like a good plan for you. I don't think it's going to take nearly as long to get to the 84. Like, look how close I am. You're going to go all the way this way just to go. I was like, I got this. By the way, I don't got this. (laughs) Directions, not my favorite. I should have totally listened. But I was like, I'm probably going to beat them there. They probably waited 10 or 15 minutes at least because I was sitting there just like, oh, it's not moving. Like, oh, it's still not moving. Like, just, it's just pride. Wanting to be right, wanting to be first, wanting to win. And missing out on all the opportunities that God has for us. And it's less about lunch, but it's more about all the things we've been talking about this week, about caring about people. And sometimes our desire to be right or be first or to win misses out on the whole point of what God has us there for. When it comes to our politics, we care more about being right than about helping somebody find Jesus. Jesus said we're not of this world. But we live in this world so much sometimes. How do you put on humility? Maybe you say, like, well, isn't being humble or isn't humility just like passivity, just not doing anything, not caring, not having passions or convictions? It doesn't mean that at all. Maybe you think, like, humility means being weak, being silent. That's not what it meant. Jesus was not weak. He was not silent. He came to serve and not to be served. Jesus lived on his knees. He chose to be a servant. That's a choice. He chose to put on humility every day. When his disciples asked how they could be great, Jesus says, perfect, I got a a simple story for you. The The key to greatness, be a servant. You want to reach the top? Start at the bottom. He modeled it by washing their feet. Task of a servant. He says, this is how to be great. It's about caring others. Jesus could have said, like, I'm the rabbi. You guys have been calling me rabbi all the time, but nobody's washing my feet. How rude. How often do we do that in life? Think about us first before everybody around us. I do it all the time. The kingdom of God, the way to the top, is not by being famous or having great positions, being under the lights. Jesus said, the person who serves the little ones, they serve me. He says, you want to serve, serve me? You want to be at the top? He goes, start by serving these. And he talked about all the little kids who are coming up. He goes, you take care of them, you're taking care of me. That's how you can do this. The church I grew up in college, they did this very practically. Every member of their church council, every key leader in their church, they had to serve in the nursery. Because the point is, if you can't serve these little kids, if you can't care about the least of these, the smallest of these, the ones who can't protect themselves, how can you care about everybody else? You know what I did? 
I wanted to model that. They didn't invite me to any of those clubs, by the way. I was just a punk, punk college kid. I wasn't really. So I went and asked the guy. I said, how could I help? He goes, you know what you could do? You could come in the middle of the week and clean all the toys. You could clean the nursery so that when the kids come and the families come, it'll be spotless. You know these kids throw these toys in their mouth every single time they touch it, right? If you could clean them so that they are not picking up somebody else's germs. So what did I start to do? I was drive, and I, then I was like, oh, I bet I could do this faster if I brought a friend. I started to bring a friend. That's what ministry looks like. It's like, how do I start to serve others, even if I'm not seen, even if I'm not on the spotlight, even if I'm not part of this team or that team? Even practically, like, this is not part of the message. Maybe God would love to humble you and give you an opportunity to serve the least. You could help in our kids' ministry. We have lots and lots of kids and not lots and lots of teachers. Some of you are like, well, I don't know what I would teach them. I'm like, they have a paper. You can read. <laughs> you can just make sure people aren't running around in the parking lot. You can give them their, their little goldfish cup. You can love on somebody else. It's simple, but it requires us to put on humility because our hearts, they're connected to our needs. Are we willing to serve? See, Jesus has talked so much about where our heart is at. And trust me, your heart is more and more contaminated if you haven't put on humility. If we're not willing to humble ourselves and surrender, we'll be led by our emotions, our passions, by our culture, our world. Jesus wasn't led by those things. He was led, well, you're like, how did he put on humility? It says he went and got away and spent time with God all the time. Read just before a miracle happened, it, it probably says, and Jesus went off and he was praying by himself. Or just after this thing or that thing, all the time Jesus was like, where is he at? He kept going to find a place because he said, I want to talk to my father because he was led by the direction and the guidance of his father. Because he asked him, and then he listened and obeyed. Jesus was humble. He surrendered his will to God's leading. I mean, famously, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane? Yeah. Before, the night before his crucifixion, and he has a, an honest conversation with his father. And he says, I know this has been the plan the whole time. I know that it's all been leading up to this, but if there's any other way, Dad, like this is going to be really hard. Is there another way? And then he finished his conversation. He goes, but not my will, your will. Not my plans, not what works good for me, not what would be easier. Do you know how often we pick what would be easier than what God would have us do? But Jesus was humble, and he says, not my will, your will. And God said, yeah, we got to do this. This will save the world. This will provide freedom for all who would want it. This would take them and make them, instead of citizens of this world, this will make them citizens of heaven if they'll say yes. This will free them from the wars of culture and politics in their world, and will help them have a future and a hope that has none of those. That they can focus on the things that really matter instead of the things that come and go and pass away. 
They can focus on the things that aren't ruled by people whose hearts aren't ruled by me. They can focus on the things that are true and that are good. Because the hearts of man are deceitfully wicked. That's what the Bible says. Choosing to have men and women rule us has always been a Ever since they first asked for a king. We have a king. It's called a president. We have kings. And he's like, you really don't want that. I will be your king. Remember, I made a promise to you long ago. I will be your God and you can be my people. And they're like, but everybody else has a king. Having a king is cool. And he goes, it's not cool. He goes, they will take your sons and put them in their war. They will tax you. They will do all these things. I will, I will never do those things. I love you so much. I have freed you from the chains. I have brought you out. I have a promise and a plan for you. Trust me, this is better. Nah, we'll take a king, a tall one, a handsome one. Sign him up. And ever since, we've been living under the rule of kings. And Jesus has come to be our king. He says, you want to be freed from the rule of kings? I'll be your king. So, Jesus came to be the king, right? But not the way we thought. Because in John 15, or sorry, John 6, 15, it says the people of Israel, they wanted to make Jesus the king. They wanted to get rid of the Romans. It says, so when Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills. He's like, no, I did not come to be the king of this stuff. I did not come to be the king of your city. I did not come to overthrow the government here. I came to create a government that has no end. We're talking about a different kingdom. The Pharisees, they're like, let's get him, okay? Let's get him into politics. Let's get him into government. Let's get him into this. They said, hey, buddy, you're so good at this stuff. We love you, by the way. Heard the message yesterday. Right on. They wanted to trap him, so they sent some supporters and said, hey, we know how honest you are. Every good trap starts with a, we love you and you're great. And We know how honest you are. It means you've got to answer this honestly. Don't lie. You teach the way of God truthfully. You're impartial. You don't play favorites. You're like, what are they setting me up for? Tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Like, Jesus like, there's so many more important conversations than this, guys. Like, how do we take care of the widow? And how do we love on the needy? And how do we treat our neighbor? But you want to talk to me about taxes? That's not what he said. Sorry. That's what I was thinking. He says this, Jesus knew their evil motives, and he said, you guys are hypocrites. He's talking to the religious guys who get stuck in their religious ways, their rules, their laws. Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin. Give it to me. Come on, guy. Show me the coin they use for the tax. Let's see it. So they handed him a Roman coin, and he goes, well, whose picture and whose title's on it? They said Caesar's. And he goes, well, yeah, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. They are like, oh, again. <laughs> again, he gets us. He's so smart. When's the last time 
people who have been trying to trap you into an argument responded like they responded to Jesus here. It says, his reply amazed them, and they went away. When's the last time somebody tried to trap you into an argument and said, let's, let's argue about this. Let's talk about these differing political views. Let's talk about this thing. And, and, and your response amazed them. That you began thinking kingdom thoughts instead of worldly thoughts. Maybe they said, what do you think about the border? And you said, how is your marriage different? How can I pray for you today? Like, well, that's not the question I asked. He's asking us to be totally different level thinkers than the world would like us to be a part of. Okay. Remember that verse that said, walk humbly with your God? Here's a couple questions. Is Jesus the Lord? The, the translation for that is master. Is he the master or the Lord of your life, your story? Or is he just along for the ride? Okay, so has he called you? Because do you know how the disciples came? He went and he said, hey, come follow me. Has he called you to follow him? And are you following him? Or have you invited him to follow you? And he goes where you go. Here we go, Jesus. We're going today. Come on. It's like the my little buddy character. My buddy. Come Wherever I go, he goes. Is Jesus just following you on your plan of life, but it's your plan, and you're just hoping he comes along to bless it? Or are you living like a disciple who says, wherever you go, I will follow. Wherever you lead me, that's where I want to go. Do you wake up each day and say, I, Jesus, today I want to follow wherever you want to lead. I want you to lead me into conversations that are at a whole different level. God, would you help me um, remove the pride from my heart, from my life, and say, God, I want to live surrendered to you. I want to go where you want me to go because I know that you've gone before me, that you have plans and purposes of good things for me to do today, for conversations that can help change the world, that can be salt and light and influence my neighborhood, my family, my community. See, that's a different type of follower of Christ. I'm actually following Christ and his leading. I'm choosing to submit. I'm choosing to be humble, to get on my knees and say, God, I want to go where you go. That's a different thing than Jesus, I bring him along. Like some of you, maybe it's chapstick. Like I never leave home without my chapstick. You've got Jesus as your chapstick. I just apply him when I need him. He's like, what? I'm so much more than that. When we don't put on humility, we put off others. Worship team, would you guys come up? Sometimes God just wants us to take a look in the mirror and realize that what we put on might not actually be helping accomplish his mission. And that's something we've been talking about this whole series is, is actually, is our salt and our light affecting our world the way it's supposed to? Or are we like the second part of that verse is, hey, your salt has lost its saltiness. 
It's not having the impact you want it to have. And maybe you're there going, I, I want to have an impact, and I feel like my saltiness is not as salty as it should be. What if we chose to put on humility each day? We're going to sing this song called I Surrender. So I just invite all of you, um, as Joe was saying, are we letting God um, just be the Lord of our life or are we just like letting him be along for the ride? And like, please bless all my choices, God. Um, and I know that's challenging for me and um, I'm assuming other people. It's probably challenging for you guys too. And um, so I just invite you as we sing this song to take a posture of surrender, whether that's putting your hands out or putting your hands up or maybe it's just sitting in your seat maybe it's standing maybe it's kneeling um i just invite you to take that posture as we sing um someone's called us surrender here i am down on my knees again surrendering opportunities for you to personally respond today if God's speaking to you. For some of you, it may be that you've never chosen to follow Jesus. 
not the difference between him following you. Like you've just never said yes to him, that he's reached out and said, come follow me. Like I have a good purpose and plan for your life. I came to make you a citizen of another planet, another world in heaven. I came to free you from your sin and your chains and you just never have said yes to that yet. I would love it, invite you in a minute to pray with somebody for the first time and say, I say yes to Jesus. I wanna be a Christ follower. And maybe for some of you, the idea of is Jesus following me or am I following him is something you wanna pray about. Because in your day-to-day life, you know, like he, he kind of tweaked you there. Like he was saying, hey, that's you. And I want you to follow me. And it's an invitation. It's not a whipping, it's not a lashing from Jesus. He doesn't treat us like that. But he's, he does draw us to himself and he says, please follow me. Like if you're not liking the path that you're on, it might be because you chose that path. It doesn't mean that the path of following Jesus is easy though, but it always means he's with you. So maybe today your prayer would be, Jesus, I wanna follow you. I wanna be a Christ follower every day. I wanna put on humility. And maybe the last thing that maybe you'd wanna pray about, or it could be anything. If you wanna pray with somebody for healing, you wanna pray with somebody for freedom from something, please come do that. But maybe you just go like, I just feel like overall, I've got a backpack full of pride and I can't seem to get rid of it. And I could try to put on humility, but if I don't drop this bag, I feel like I'm gonna have a hard time each and every day. Some of us are just wired to to carry a backpack of pride and it really requires Jesus helping unload that thing. And if you desire to, you know, like I just am prideful, you have the ability to ask him to empower you to throw that thing off. And I wanna tell you, he will meet you there. You can be somebody who's full of pride and Jesus can give you the gift of humility. He says, imitate me, follow this, walk like this. He wouldn't say that if you couldn't do it. So Jesus says, people consider right now how you would have them pray. And even to just be humble enough to say, I need prayer. Jesus, would you spark in each and every one of us what it is that we need to pray about, what we need to apply this week as we look in the mirror, as we think about what does it look like? What does it mean to clothe ourselves with humility? Jesus, would you empower us to move and to respond to what you wanna do in us and through us? this week, today. So I just wanna invite you, if you'd like prayer, there's people up here who would love to pray with you. If there's more people in lines and people to pray, we'll get more people to pray with you. But I just wanna invite you to start coming up and start praying. Our worship team's gonna sing for a little bit longer. And then other than that, I'd love for you to join us next week as we conclude this series. We love you, thank you. Stir within my soul, Lord, have your way.
surrender.